What is stoicism? And why is it rising so fast in popularity, particularly among young men? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. thinking people's thinking people welcome to the overthinkers home for the creative intellectual i'm your host joseph holmes filmmaker film critic couch potato philosopher and with me as always is my pleasantly pretentious co-host nathan clarkson actor author filmmaker and armchair philosopher and aspiring sometimes stoic <laughs> yes it is semi-stoic yeah, 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 yeah we'll yeah. see yeah <laughs> well, by the end of this episode we'll see how much how stoic we are exactly um, um, well, anyway, we're having fun, as you can see already. If you enjoy this podcast and really want to uh, support what we do so we can do continue to do more of it, uh, where should people uh, go to show how much they enjoy it? Well, they should first stop by the overthinkersjournal.com. They can find out more about us, the hosts, uh, some live events, and we have some good articles coming out, as well as you should join our Facebook group, where mm. there is a whole swath of overthinkers just like you who are engaging in great conversations about a really fun, interesting, deep topics like the uh, stuff we talk about on the show. And we have memes and quotes and posts. So please head over to the overthinkers uh, private Facebook private facebook group that's really tough <laughs> we to can out. talk um yeah <laughs> it's apparently what i do for a living and um if you enjoy the podcast please consider giving us a review it really does help yes. us so much and share the podcast with a friend who you might think would enjoy these overthinker discussions yes this is gonna be a fun one today very excited so all right so today we are discussing stoicism particularly this rise in popularity of Stoicism in our modern world. Stoicism was a philosophy founded in ancient Greece about 300 BC around the belief that the secret to a good life was self-control rather than controlling life circumstances, which is a hopeless enterprise. This philosophy was eventually supplanted by Christianity as a dominant worldview in the West, but as Christianity has waned, Stoicism is making a comeback particularly among young men. According to the Revival of Stoicism article at Vice, print sales of Stoic books like the Meditations of Marcus Aurelius have exploded since the start of 2020. Stoic podcasts and YouTube channels like The Daily Stoic have multiplied like rabbits. And Stoicism has become a favorite philosophy of the tech and corporate worlds and celebrities, with tech CEOs like Tim Ferriss, Ryan Holiday, and Jack Dorsey being noted as fans and advocates. Stoic lobbying groups and also Stoic lobbying groups teaching Stoic philosophy to corporations and massive events like StoicCon, if you can believe it, which is an actual thing. Wow. Modern Stoicism's fans and advocates say that it helps them deal with the difficulties and stresses of life while helping them be more productive. However, critics of the movement say that it encourages people to accept the world as it is rather than work to change it, and that it is often stripped of its actual underlying philosophy in favor of just easy life hacks. Nathan. <laughs> You have been on a stoicism kick for a few, a little bit now. Kicking? Oh, I want to do some kicking. So, as the resident, and I, mine, mine is basically just what I remember from school and what I look on the internet. So, as the person who's really gotten into stoicism lately, how do you define stoicism, and why do you think stoicism is taking so root so strongly now, in particular? That's a, a great question, uh, as always. Uh, you just such compliments right away. Yeah, I, I love right, it. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Um, stoicism is an interesting philosophy, and it's one that's important. And like you mentioned, it's one that's really making a huge comeback. And um, 
you know, we, we don't have time to get into all the tenets of Stoicism, but right. one of the main tenets that I think is really appealing to people right now is in a crazy, chaotic, hectic world where it feels like we can control very little uh, in the external happenings of our lives, be that locally or on a grand macro scale. Stoicism is a philosophy, an ancient philosophy, that essentially says that um, our ultimate goal as humans is not to try to master or control external things or events, but rather to master and control ourselves internally. Mm -hmm. So no matter what happens around us, we inside of the storm of life will be able to be uh, more anchored to um, something substantive, something that will, um, and that needs to come from the inside out as opposed to the outside in. And I, and I think one of the things that's so appealing to me about it, and I think this mm. can be um, applied to a grander scale too, and why so many in culture are, um, are are gravitating towards it, is because we do live in a chaotic world. We live in yeah. a world in which so many things are going wrong at, at, at once, be it financial or overseas or political or yeah. whatever it might be. Or it, it's just there's so many things that feel out of our control right now. Right. And I think that for a long time people have promised us, well, if you do this and this and this and this, if you vote for this person, if you join this group, yeah. then you can control what's happening outside. You can control all these external events. So I think people have realized essentially that in this crazy chaotic world where so many things are happening, um, we've realized we really don't have much control over our external um, happenings and events, that that there isn't much to be done. We can vote, we can join a group, we can mm-hmm. send money, we can, you know, whatever it might be. But most people are going, I I think even though I've been promised that I can yeah. uh, make a difference or make a change really every day across my Instagram or Facebook feed, yeah. I'm seeing I, I really can't do much and life continues to happen to me. And the more yeah. people promise me that life will get better if I just do this one thing, we keep on realizing that's kind of a lie. Yeah. And that no matter how hard uh, we expect the external to change, we can change the outer world. It just doesn't. And I think that people are catching on to that. Yeah. And I think the reason Stoicism is on a rise is because Stoicism says agrees and says, no, you can't change the external world. Right. You can try, you can do good things, but ultimately the world is chaotic. And as Christians, we call it a broken place. Yeah. And we don't have a lot of control over the external world. But Stoicism says, but there is still goodness and strength and control to be found, but it starts inside. You control yourself. You learn self-control. You learn self-discipline. You learn self-growth or whatever it might be. Right. So that even in the midst of chaotic events happening, that there can still be growth happening. There can, you can still find strength to weather these, um, right. these storms of life. And so it turns the perspective from the outside in. And I think it's interesting. Stoicism is both very popular now and also very criticized. Right. And um, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but I think we do live in a culture of victimhood culture that everyone needs to change for me. Uh, Whatever it might be, you need to stop having people who trigger me or whatever it might be, or this is hurting. You need to stop that. And I think Stoicism- If you think this way and you feel this way, that hurts me and you need to change for me. Yes. Yes. And I think even if that's true, and yeah. it might be true that someone thinking or saying something or saying the wrong thing will hurt you. I think you believing that 
the world will eventually be a place that never says anything that hurts you or yeah. never does anything that hurts you is an incorrect assumption. And I think yeah. Stoicism said that's going to happen because we live in a fallen world with fallen people, right? A little more Christian talk. Yeah. And so I think it's real appealing to people who have lived an out of control life and who expected life to continue to formulate around <clears throat> their expectations. And it doesn't to say, finally, I have something that tells me the truth that the world is yeah. crazy and I can't control it, but it still gives me hope that I can become a stronger person within the midst of it. Um, and it gives you control over something realistic, yourself. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I'm attracted to it and why it has come up so much, especially in a more and more tumultuous world by every year and every day. Look at this tree, Sifu. I cannot make it blossom when it suits me, nor make it bear fruit before it's time. But there are things we can't control. Yeah. No, I think, I think you've hit on a lot of really good things in this. I think, you know, we the the modern world, C.S. Lewis wrote in The Abolition of Man um, about how the modern world sort of is built around the premise that you can use technology and with technology, you can control the world um, mm. and you can shape the world in however you want. And and there, you're right. We've, we've slowly discovered that that's not the case. You know, as Martin Luther King Jr. said, we have guided missiles and misguided men. You know, there, there are some ah. things we can change with technology and there's some things we can't. Um, and but also again we've talked about, about the postmodern world and what the phenomenon of the postmodern world but there's a lot about you know we that and we've also talked a lot about the fact that in our modern day depression is rising depression is rising and anxiety is rising i think that on the simple level the fact that it's no surprise that in an era where people are more and more feeling depressed and you're right i mean it's not a coincidence that marcus Aurelius' meditations book is becoming so popular during you know 2020 when the world is feeling yes. more and more crazy and out of control but i think that you know it it goes deeper because you know part of as we've talked about in the postmodern world one of the big things about the postmodern world was that it weakened the power of institutions like the family institutions and religious mm. institutions and uh and government institutions and economic institutions so that those you have more freedom to pick and choose the institutions you want to be a part of and to leave them if and uh, if you want to and what that has is created a world where a lot of the things that gave us security that gave us, that made us less stressed, like a, a deep committed extended family, like, you know, these committed institutions don't, or even faith in God, like don't exist for most part anymore. So we are left on our own to be anxious and worried about, you know, making our life better. As Bojack Horseman, you know, said, you know, I be responsible for my own happiness. I can't even be responsible for my own breakfast. Um, so the, but the other side of that is because churches and, governments and you know and and businesses can't like make us do things anymore the one power they have is the power to persuade which in and what they do now and so in this modern world we're bombarded daily hourly and particularly with social media with people telling us why we trying to manipulate our emotions you know we have advertisers trying to tell us you need to want this and try to make us insecure about our bodies and our futures or whatever and if you get this external you'll be, thing, happy. you'll be happy you'll be happy exactly and then churches saying, okay, well, you need to come here. If you don't, then, you know, you won't be happy. And then, you know, you have political activists who are saying like, hey, you have to care about this issue or else I'm going to make you feel really guilty. You know, I mean, they were going to use making you feel really guilty as a way to get you to give us money or give us support. And so we're bombarded by people trying to manipulate our emotions all the time. And so 
And as we said in our episode, you know, can you care too much? That creates compassion fatigue and depression and all those kind of things because we're not built to care about and, you know, all those things all the time. So, you know, stoicism comes around and actually puts power back in your hands and says, actually, you don't have to let other people control your emotions. You can control your emotions. You can decide if you care about something or don't. You can care about, you don't have to let other people control whether or not you're happy or not. You know, that is something that's a power that you have that um, you can decide if you give away or not. And so mm. it's, it's, I think that that is people having that spiral of depression because they, ex because other people are, you know, controlling their emotions, the other desires are controlling their emotions. This is saying, like, no, actually, here's a way for you to not be like that. And I think that's one of the big, um, uh, one of the big reasons the stoicism is so popular. Um, yeah, agreed. I, I, it's interesting seeing this rise. And it's interesting to see that it started appealing to me during the lockdown, because I, I did yeah. have these moments when I was like, you know, I, I don't know how to say, it, but I always felt like I could do something about something, yeah, right? Yeah. And I always felt like I could change something. There's a circumstance I could figure it out. You know, classic yeah. guy, but yeah. I, I could do something about Fix it. I could it. figure it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think a lot of people are told, like you said, um, if you we can change all these external things. And then we saw during the lockdown, yeah, we can't really do a whole lot. Yeah. There's not a lot we can do. I felt powerless. And so stoicism, I started investigating is like, but even in this powerlessness, there's hope. And this is why stoicism is different than nihilism. We've talked about nihilism yeah. before. And a lot, they have some of the same outcomes, not caring, you know, not worrying yeah. about external things. But nihilism moves from this, this center, which is nothing matters, right? Right. There's not a hopeful center. It's not a, right. a, a, a good or positive center. It's just nothing matters. We're all going to be, you know, blown to oblivion by the sun and entropy right. and all this. Uh, so just do what you want and stop caring. Where right. stoicism moves from a different place. It says, stop caring about these external things. Stop caring what people are thinking about think about you stop being so affected by external events but it gives you hope that you can become a stronger person so i think right. it's a it's a how do i say it? a religion-esque philosophy <laughs> that still gives you hope while still allowing you to grow and evolve yeah. as a person i tried so hard and got so far but in the end it doesn't even matter. With, uh, so and one so, thing you brought up is the the world of um, uh, of, uh, of things and advertising, uh, materialism that promises yeah. you that if you get this product, you can change your external events. And I think the church has done a disservice too, as sure. well in this kind of um, world where it is promised that if you join us, if you join the church, right. you say the sinner's prayer, you will now have all of your problems fixed. And by the way, right. this is unbiblical. This is not what Jesus said. This is not what any of the disciples said. They all died. <laughs> um, terrible. <laughs> um, but I think that the church has promised, oh, yeah, we'll fix your problems, all your external problems. Right. And culture has promised, we'll fix your external problems. Politics will fix your problems. And it turns out none of these institutions have. Right. And so there's this deep distrust and realization, kind of a, a disenchantment <clears throat> with these institutions, be religious, political, yeah. or cultural, that have promised they can fix our external things. And so stoicism says your your external problems aren't going to be solved. Yeah. They're still going to be there. And what's interesting about Marcus Aurelius, who's one of the um, kind of the names right. in stoicism, is he was a, a, a Roman emperor in ancient Rome, uh, post-Christ. And you look at his life, it was filled with trouble, wars yeah. and sieges and plagues. And so it's interesting to read 
um, this philosophy kind of take form um, that he took from the ancient right. Greeks um, as a Roman. And he took it and it takes form around this guy who, whose whole life was filled with trouble yeah. and sickness and, and chaos. And him saying, <clears throat> I've decided that I'm going to be, no matter what comes my way, I'm going to decide to be a strong person, to not let these external whatever um, change how I'm going to feel or how I'm going to act. And so I think that's really popular right now, especially like you mentioned in the wake of the disappointment that all these yeah. um, institutions have given us. Right. And yeah, I, I just think it, it's interesting. I, and I want to talk to him about some of the criticism in a minute, right. but I do think it's an interesting, it's interesting so, that it's taking off now. Yeah, exactly. So, now, so, so let's, let's do this. Let's um, take some time to uh, say any other things about it that if you think are really um, good about it, that resonate with you or that you see in it, that are really good and switch to some of the things that you think are good critiques of it that you think yeah. that you find lacking in it. So what are, what are some of those? Well, what I have found, I'll start with the good. And the yeah. good, I would say that I have found is part of stoicism is implementing practices in your life to make yourself a better person. Right. To make yourself a more uh, anchored, solid, um, immovable person. So, right. And I think that a lot of things in life, uh, especially cultural, political, and, re and religious, um, take the emphasis on you off of you having to do anything and say, we'll do it all for you. And right. so what I like about stoicism, it says, no, you have to do the work. Right. If you want to, if you want to live a more peaceful life, a life that's not constantly um, affected by others' opinions and external happenings, you're going to have to do the work. And that's hard, but it's also realistic. And so what right. I really like that encourages daily practices. Yeah. There's a big part of stoicism, you see it a lot with um, young men culture right now, is I think why a lot of people, and especially young mm -hmm. men are gravitating to it, is because it gives them a not a formula, but a way, a practical yeah. way forward. And it can look different for everyone, but it's learning how to implement these practices. And one thing I've found in my life is I call the 15 minute principle is implementing a healthy habit of 15 minutes a day of whatever it might be, whether that's right. reading a book or working out um, or, or cooking a meal or listening to a podcast. Hey, um, or hey, whatever you could listen to the overthinkers podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but it's the 15 minutes. Cause I think a lot of people are overwhelmed when they look at the work and that's why they right. gravitate towards things that'll do it for them. When they look, I've spent 10 hours a day, you know, not only eating, you know, a chicken breast, I have a chicken breast and, and doing this kind of diet or, or working out 40 hours in a week or whatever yep. it might be, or reading, you know, an, an entire three volume dictionary in a, in a day, we can't do that. So we get overwhelmed. What I like about stoicism is daily practices. And it's really helped me as well. So during the pandemic, I try to say, wow, I feel like I'm not getting anything done. So rather than making these huge, you know, goals for myself of I'm going to read three hours a day, I said, I can implement some daily practices that even if they're not exactly what I want, I can every day becoming a better, more centered person that isn't, that isn't dependent on all the crazy things went up there, not happening but rather I can do this right now. And so I read 15 minutes a day yeah. at least. And I ended up reading 20 books in a year. By the way, I know that a lot of our listeners are read way more. That's big <laughs> yes. for me. You yeah. know, I have dyslexia and ADHD. So that was big <laughs> for me. But yeah. 15 minutes a day made a difference for me. I could do a little home workout. It might've been a little one, but I, I stayed healthier during the pandemic. Yeah. I could, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I like the daily practice aspect. And I ultimately really, I think the, the strength of stoicism is... The reality of it you yeah. will not be able to affect the external things in the world right and coupled with it doesn't make promises hope. it can't keep yeah yes and it's coupled and unlike nihilism is, is coupled with the hope but yeah. you can become a stronger person you can become a more anchored person so those are i think are its real benefits and i think 
are of a lot of benefits to a lot of people. What do you think are some of the, the pluses yeah, to it? I think so. So for me, what's what's so there's a couple of things that are very attractive about stoicism for me. One is that it um, heals resentment. Like for me specifically, mm. it was very it heals resentment because part of the uh, you know uh, the philosophy of stoicism is that the world is basically rational and ordered, and that there is you know it's it's built around reason. And so the way the world works is not totally run by reason because people are in it and people are unreasonable. But there are certain aspects of it, but 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 basically at its core, it's a it's a, a logical, reasonable world. They actually, that's they talk about the logos, you know, which was, mm. you know, sort of the Stoics were sort of the people who first talked about the logos, um, who and said like that that's it's what reason orders what built around the world. And the thing is. You know, I I have had, you know, the more that I've understood that sort of the way things are in the world that the art is built under a rational order, it's caused me to resent things about the world less. I'll give an example uh, from my younger years. Yeah. You know, I used to resent as a you know, young guy that, you know, girls seem to kind of like a guy with a different kind of personality and different kinds of, than I was. And that at least the vast majority. And that was a, a source of resentment for me and, and, and a growing resentment towards girls and women. And as of course I delved into sort of the science of kind of attraction and 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 all of those things, I grew to understand that, you know, that it's actually the the pe reason that people are attracted to different people is actually based on reasonable, even good things that are part of what God has put into the world and is supposed mm. to be in the world. It's not arbitrary, it's not even unfair, it's actually to many Agrees good. And there are things that I can adopt to make myself more attractive or just accept the fact that, you know, I'm a different kind of person. That's okay. But it's not something wrong with people for being attracted to the things that so they're attracted to. So you stop wanting to change. There's a bit Other of this, people. Like, they, yes. they should want the external thing. They should want me as opposed exactly. to I can change or be right. or it's, not care. Exactly. It's like I can change to conform myself to this. But even if I don't, there it's the fact that they're attracted to who they are isn't something wrong with the world. It's a, mm. it's built into the world into something that's right with the world. And so that's something that stoicism, and actually that's, you know, you find this at places, people who accept the world and its basic structure is basically just tend to be happier. Now there's a, a flip side, a problematic flip side to that we'll get to later, but that was one of the things is that it's, um, is that it, it's, uh, is that it helps understand the world in a way that makes me resent it less. And that was really uh -huh. helpful for me. The other thing about it that felt really helpful is that, it actually it spoke my speaks my language about the things both that motivate me and actually um, what I want out of life, and it does put the control sort of in my thing. Because again, there's so much that I can't control. I can't control other people, and again, I have lived, I have lived for a lot of times with people who want to be emotional manipulators, and so the idea of saying that no, actually. Um, you don't have to live like that. You can decide I'm going to be happy because of what I choose to do. And that is something that you're capable of doing. You're capable of doing having that power in your hands, first of all. Second of all, um, that's, you know, it, these are some methods and things you can do to do that, that you're, are in your control. And it's a noble thing to do it. It's a heroic thing to do it. And it's a thing that makes you worthy of honor and respect to yeah. do it. And so the thing is, you know, again, a lot of times, one of the things I think is problem with the church also is that it really has um, left men behind in terms of the way that it tries to um, uh, present 
God and Jesus to people. And it has, you know, I have often lived in sort of the church environment where if I wanted to say, I love to achieve, I love to, you know, become fight. disciplined. I love to yeah. fight. I love to be like fight, understand, understand yeah. and use logic and then fight and use as sports and warrior metaphors and then at, at overcome my challenges and be a hero at the end of it. That was considered to sort of be anti-Christian because no, you mm. can't want to fight and achieve and, and, you know, and control your emotions. That's all kind of toxic law-based you know, behaviors. And so, and so that's, and so the thing is, but the thing is, that's not toxic law-based behavior. It's, it's actually an expression of healthy masculinity. And so this is stoicism actually speaks the language of the motives of, and the goals and positive goals expressions of at least a certain type of masculinity that the church really has abandoned. And so I think stoicism to a certain degree is filling that gap. And it's certainly people like, you know, people I we've talked before on this podcast, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who's not exactly a stoic, but a lot of people say he's actually using a lot of stoic philosophy. So that's sort of where I first got introduced to a lot of stoic ideas and philosophy. There's a lot in there about that kind of thing of like, actually, you can make your life better and yourself better by doing the heroic task of fixing your own life. And I think that that is something that I think is a beautiful thing because it's true, is that it is a heroic task to fix your own life. And we often don't think about it that way. Um, and uh, and I think so. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's not resenting the outer world, uh, not letting the outer world control you, and actually the heroic act of um, fixing your life and making yourself a better person, not only happier but also more virtuous person, and conquering those demons is um, a positive thing. And it also gives you practical steps with to do it. Which again, Christians kind of often get very scared of practical steps because it sounds like oh, it's getting into legalism now. It's like no, these are just practical steps that are very helpful. So I yeah, think those are good. I was going to say, both you and I are very against legalism. We're against oh, yeah, moralism. 100%. By the way, we're against toxic masculinity. We oh, think yeah, this 100%. thing and it's bad, but that's not what we're talking about here. Exactly. We're talking about self-mastery. Exactly. That's what stoicism articulates so well. And it's interesting. Um, uh, I found that at this a while ago, a lot of modern counseling techniques are based on stoic principles and yes. philosophy, <laughs> which is so interesting. And, and for any of you who have listened for a while know my story, I've struggled with mental illness my entire life, and I've been in counseling for... Yeah. Uh, off and on throughout my entire life. And so when I started reading, I recognized a lot of the principles. And yeah. I remember the first time, uh, not the first time, but multiple times, I remember this over and over again, as like every time I go back to counseling, um, you know, l let's say I went to counseling for a, a, an abusive relationship and I go yeah. in and I say, can you believe this person is doing this? And they did this and they hit me and they yelled at me and they lied about this and they did this. And I remember being so surprised when the counselor looked at me and, and said, that's awful. What are you going to do? <laughs> and it wasn't about, you know, my, my counselor knew that what was happening was wrong. They yes, knew it was bad. Yeah. But she said, if that person never changes, if that behavior exactly. never changes, yeah. what are you going to do? And that really was a paradigm shift for me because yeah. up in, you know, a lot of times I always fell back into it. I would be, well, my life will be good when this person stops acting like yeah. that. Exactly. My life will be good when my mental illness doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. My life will be good when my this or that, or I get the job or I, whatever <clears> it might be. And every time I go back to counseling, I'd be faced with this uh, questioning and that's rooted in Stoic philosophy. And, and it's, um, and it comes out in modern day counseling techniques and it's, what are you going to do? Yeah. And that's so annoying. It really is. Yeah, it really is. is. And I don't, I didn't want that. I want them to say, well, this person's bad and they should change. Right. But, yes. But the reality of the thing is they might never change. Yeah. And if I spend my whole life waiting for them to change, I'm not going to live a more enjoyable, 
life. I, I've had I've had people kind of talk to me at some point and be like, and sort of angry with me because I was happy during a circumstance that they thought I shouldn't mm. be. And I remember I realized I was sort of like, I don't know why I do that. But I would realize at some point, one time I said to someone, I realized this was sort of what was going on is that I had a lot of, you know, in my childhood, a lot of bad things happened to my family and a lot of like, he's just, just, you know, things that, yeah. that, and stress and struggle and, and that were really hard for all of us and including myself. And I realized that as a child, I learned very early on that you can't wait for the bad things to end to be happy Yes, because they're not going to end. The bad things are not going to end. And, and so it is a choice. Exactly. It's a choice you have to make personally. And that was so powerful yeah. in my life. And I didn't want to hear that <laughs> yeah, but exactly. because I, I held it and I grasped it. This is before I even got into stoicism. I started to slowly change and grow and mature because I took ownership of my own emotions, exactly. my own actions, what, regardless of what anyone else or anything else, right. um, how, how, how was playing out in my life. And it was a really powerful and difficult yes. thing. Absolutely. So those would, those would be what I say is a really strong point about the Stoic philosophy. Yeah. So what would be so and say some of your weaknesses that you think about it? Well, this is interesting. Most of my criticisms come from my my ultimate belief. I love Stoicism. I think yeah. it's great, but most of my criticisms are rooted from Christianity. Yeah. And so where if you guys haven't noticed by now, we are Christians. And so yeah, that is, we are uh, sorry, that is, sorry. <laughs> exactly, <yeah. laughs> we're here to proselytize. You. <laughs> exactly. uh, but I think um, what I what I love about stoicism are the things that Christianity has in common with it. You know, Jesus right. never promised an easy life. And in fact, he yeah. never said, try to control your external. He says, you're going to find terrible, uh, yeah. mean people, awful things are going to happen to you. But you can become a better person and grow. So a lot of yeah. Christianity and Stoicism has a lot of overlap. And that's what yeah. I loved about it. Because I found in Stoicism, a lot of the same wisdom I found in Jesus's and Paul's and Peter's words that the world yeah. is hard and it's going to be difficult, but you can decide to trust me and be good. But where Stoicism fails and Christianity continues, so my, is um, there's ultimate hope and we're doing right, this sure. for a yeah. purpose yeah. for a purpose for an eternal purpose right and so i would say that it's not that it, there's necessarily anything wrong with stoicism mm -hmm. i just don't think it goes far enough sure. and yeah. i think um that stoicism says you can you can master yourself um and not be afraid of death in this life and christianity says yes you can master yourself and not be afraid of death because there's hope in another life right and i think that's where i think stoicism fails is ultimately it does like every philosophy that doesn't include faith and redemption in god it always kind of you go well why well sure, ultimately yeah. that's great you know for my 70 years here i guess that'll be helpful but ultimately i'm gonna die and this person so it doesn't really matter and so ultimately right. stoicism fails because it's not eternally meaningful right and so that's where i'd say it fails my other criticism would be and i, and I think people bring this up would be fair um isn't necessarily criticism of the stoicism because you actually read the books and you read these letters yeah. and, you, and you understand it um the criticism it, it's kind of a straw man the criticizing but sure the some of the way people understand stoicism is that you shouldn't do anything about the world. Sure, yeah. Oh, your neighbor is starving. Well, you can be okay yourself. At least sure, you're yeah. <laughs> Don't do anything about your external means. And that's not what stoicism actually teaches. Okay, yeah. Which is certainly not what Christianity teaches. Christianity no. teaches you can't necessarily change every external thing. You can't worry about the world is going to be terrible and awful. But you still have to help, and you still have to fight for the uh, the oppressed and feed the hungry. And right. so I'd say my other criticism of stoicism isn't necessarily criticism of actual 
spiritual stoicism, but some of the ways people practice and use it, which is an excuse to not do anything for your fellow man and for the world around you. Nope, not getting out of this chair. Sure. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's fair. I, I, I sort of echo your two points and elaborate on them. The first is that, you know, I have to say there is a reason why Stoicism died and Christianity grew. Like there's a reason why Christianity ah. replaced Stoicism. And we have to acknowledge that historically, even if we're not sort of advocates for Christianity over Stoicism or whatnot, you know, uh, and it's, and the reason is, you know, there's a, a book called, I believe this is the title of it is called the a brief history of philosophy. And it pointed out, it's like, look, the, the one thing Christianity could offer that the, all the Greek and Roman philosophies put together couldn't offer was the resurrection of the dead. Ah, yes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, cause you know, and this, uh, St. Augustine pointed this out in uh, his score commentary on the Stoics. The Stoics would say, you know, when you kiss your child, remember they are mortal, you know, mm. and they will die. And it's, and, you know, Memento don't worry. Exactly. Don't love something so much or become so attached to them that if they die, it will break your heart. And, you know, and, and saying us was like, that's awful. Yeah. You, <laughs> you should know, care about your kid, <laughs> care about your kids less. So you don't be sad when they're dead. It's like, no, no. And, but the thing is, you know, if there, if it, death is the final word, there is a certain reason of, you know, like you, he's like, oh yeah, I want to save myself from pain. I have to love them with that in mind. Whereas says, look, and if that's true, if that's the truth of the world, maybe stoicism is the best we've got, you know, but if Christianity is true, then no, you don't actually have to, you can kiss your child knowing that they will die, but also knowing they will be resurrected. And yeah. so I think that that's, you know, a, a big difference that Christianity brings to the table that I think makes it better than Paul also because I think it's true. Um, now the thing, yes, people have made it be criticized Stoicism for um, has been the fact that it's, and I'll say it has been the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't automatically lead to social action in ways that people want it to. And I think yeah. that actually it's oddly enough, I could think that Stoicism has the same problems that some social justice movements have. And again, I, I like a lot of stoicism. I like a lot about social justice movements, but they neither of them have a clear rubric on how to decide what things are, uh. a, are, are according to the logos and which things are not. So, you know, again, I, I talked about the need is like, oh, it's really great that, you know, if you don't resent things in the world, if you realize that they're fair and they're part of the earth, but some things in the world are not fair and some yeah. things are a violation of logos, but can appear to be in accordance with the logos because we're so used to them. Slavery being the prime example, it existed mm. everywhere and it seemed like a natural thing, but we eventually figured out when we got rid of it, that it wasn't a natural thing. You know, it's, it's, and you it know, it was evil. Yeah, it was evil. It was a violation of the logos. And so the thing is, but also, again, on social justice, sort of advocates have a sort of opposite problem where they kind of oftentimes assume that everything is, you know, something that needs to be torn down. But mm. and, and but the problem is neither group really has a rubric for saying, OK, which of these things is in violation of the logos and which is not. And so I think that's a, a, a now the thing is, again and again, I this is just a. This is a Christian, I'm a Christian, whatever, you know, what interesting that the Christians did. And again, think of this as a historical thing, the way they were able to supplant, um, uh, uh, supplant uh, Stoicism is they actually made the character and teachings of Jesus as the way of determining whether something was in violation of the logos or not. Ah, so yes. because they describe, you know, at least particularly John describes Jesus as the logos. 
you know, and he said, they says, oh, Jesus is the word, you know, the word is, and so bec then because the logos became sort of personified in a person who had a character and teachings about the way you should live, then you could use that as a standard to say, okay, does, you know, what was it, infanticide was common at the time, you know, uh, in Rome, and, you know, you could look at and and Christian you could say, well, this is in violation of the log of Jesus's character. So this must be in violation of the order of the universe, and therefore we should be fighting against it. Like so that criteria, and again, this is something that actually happens with a lot of like Stoic philosophies, like Buddhism in in you know in India, it existed for thousands of years, even before Christ, you know, Buddhism existed in India. And yet the caste system existed alongside it all mm. the way up into Gandhi, who in Gandhi was inspired by reading Leo Tolstoy's um, uh, exegesis on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So, you know, it took someone inspired by Jesus to go fix something in India that existed throughout all of Buddhism. So there is this thing about, you know, as we're talking about Christianity here, but there is a thing about, it's not that um, stoicism doesn't allow for or even encourage, you know, social action about making it, but it doesn't give a rubric for deciding um, what interesting it, what what that is or what that looks like. I think would be a weakness in it. Well, I'd also say still, I'd give one more critique. Stoicism, if unfettered by that rubric, can become selfish. Yes, right? yes, yes, and it's. I think there's a valid critique here, and why I say stoicism is made complete by Christianity. Yeah is because stoicism says you don't worry about external things and you become a better person for yourself right uh christianity says you don't worry about external things and you become a better person inside out for yourself and, and because others. of you the love of others around you and yes. the love of god right and so it does both of them start internally both of them say don't worry about external things both of them ask you to practice things to become a better person but stoicism is just so you won't fear death and so you won't have pain yourself mm -hmm. right christianity is so that you won't fear death you won't have pain as much pain yourself and so you can bring redemption hope goodness to right. others around you as well as yourself yeah no i think i think that i think that stoicism if you're if you're if you are somebody who has in a sense uh stoicism is a little bit of a of a something you um, a, a world you can map other worldviews on and if you have a good value system like christianity or something else as a positive value system the stoic understanding of that side of your able to self-mastery can be really helpful because again christianity talks a lot about self-mastery so you can be a christian and then say okay what are some practical ways i can meditate on self-mastery and then you read a stoic book that can be helpful about that but stoicism it, it, in conjunction with my christianity has been helpful but i don't exactly. think it i think it would be a little empty without my faith i would i would agree with that now i just uh, briefly i'll say what's interesting to me to bring sort of stoicism in the modern world there are a lot of people who criticize stoicism like for like, if I still say badly, it's kind of, so I kind of find, find yeah, I want to hear like, this. I want to, I want to, I kind of get caught between like Stoics and not, because like I have a lot of critiques of Stoics and in some of the movies, I have a lot of critiques of Stoics that a lot of its critics have. But when I read people who are criticizing the Stoics and because and people who are fascinated by Stoicism, a lot of what I'm hearing is very, is like, they don't, I don't like Stoics, people who are interested in Stoicism because they're not, um, they're not strongly enough advocating for the, all the political ideas that I like. 
Yeah. It's just like they're not advocating for the political changes that I think are obviously the right ones. And yeah. therefore, even if, again, these people, you know, who they're talking about do advocate for political change and do are trying in their various ways to make the world a better place. They're not doing it according to my values. And therefore, the fact that they have mastery over their own emotions is a bad thing, which to me, again, is so this is the thing I like. A lot of the people who critique Stoicism, not all, again, we critique Stoicism. A lot of people who are critiquing Stoicism, it seems like the reason they're critiquing it is they don't like it when other people have mastery of their emotions because they're less easy to manipulate. Yeah, I, I, this is interesting because a lot of the same outlets and articles and writers who criticize Stoicism are the same ones who have wrote written scathing um, tell-all uh, articles about inceldom. And sure. which is yes. interesting because stoicism seems like the opposite of incel. It seems like the right. answer to it. Where right. inceldom, it blames everything. It blames women. It blames whatever. It blames um, women. It blames society. It blames all those yes. things. Exactly. For their ills. Stoicism comes along and says, who cares? You become <laughs> a better person. Right. And so I think this is something you would think they would want because right. inceldom is incredibly toxic. They've, they're violent and misogynistic and racist. Yep. Even. Yep. And so stoicism says, stop blaming everyone. Take ownership of your life. But it's interesting to see them criticize uh what you would think would be the answer to what they say they hate right i think yeah i think part of it is and it is again there's a, you can you guys can tell me if i'm wrong but there's a certain degree of which i think sometimes and people rightly for understandably are 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 scared of the very masculine sounding language of stoicism that if it's if it's got that masculine sounding language it's going to lean into toxic territory i think because you know that's again one of the like the vice article i of it, it said it kind of said that in the article is like they use such manly language like you know <laughs> of sports and war and that's uh, unsettling and i said like, well not necessarily so i think that there's this aspect of which again people associate things badly and this happens all the time like you know people associate things they don't like with marxism or fascism if they don't like sure. it it's got to be this other thing but it's also interesting because my mom is a i'd say a gentle stoic sure. and that's assuming that women don't want to fight what? or can't be warriors like have you seen black widow i know um, exactly or that's, arwen that's, like it is. It is a very. It, but that's the thing. People lean into these stereotypes like really, yeah. really fast. And that's. I think that that's. Like I think. I think you've been by have both shown that there can be very intelligent, very good critiques of stoicism. But yes. I think that the. But there's. But a lot of times I think stoics are not, or people who are attracted to stoicism are not willing to hear them because, and not willing to hear because the people who a lot of people who are most criticizing them are like they want to emotionally manipulate me. You know, this well, is why if, they're saying if, this. If there's a, a methodology or philosophy that helps you take ownership of your own life and doesn't worry about external needs, then all of a sudden you have groups who aren't needed by people anymore. Right. And it's yeah. a codependent relationship, I think, between right. these groups or culture or whatever who need who need victim minded people to need them so they can provide answers yes, so they precisely. can control yeah. them. And if someone is providing their finding their own strength and, and right. self mastery, then they're no longer needed. And they're also no longer, and then they're no longer able to yeah. control the people who have found the self mastery yeah. in their life. So I do think that would might play a part. Yeah, no, I think that's, just, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, cool. I think that uh, anything else, any other thoughts on this? No, well, I think final word, final word. Yeah, I'll, I'll sum up and say, I think Stoicism is really an amazing philosophy in many ways. I think it can help you start um, getting rid, rid of victimhood culture, uh, a victimhood mindset, yeah. and ultimately take on responsibility for yourself to become a better person no matter what storms of life you face. Yeah. I think it's really strong and beautiful in that. But I think ultimately, I would highly suggest 
that you research stoicism yeah. in conjunction with a faith that gives you a more eternal look and purpose about yeah. it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that stoicism is great for a very specific thing, helping self-mastery. But there's more to life than self-mastery. There's 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 yes. so much. And there are other people who exist in the world. And there's even, I believe, a God who exists, you know, in the world and out of the world. And you need to contend with those things as well. Um, and you need to find a rubric for understanding which things are logos and which things are not. And so I yes. think that um, stoicism shouldn't be discarded, but it has to be supplemented with philosophy that has a fuller picture of other things that exist in the world, like God and humans and which things are locusts and which things are not. So that would be- It's me. a fantastic side dish to yes. a meal. <laughs> exactly. And the meal ought to be your, uh, I would say, is faith, ultimately yeah. in a God yeah. and uh, an eternal redemption. I so. advocate for Christianity. You can, you know, but yeah. uh, you can, but, uh, but, uh, and I'll make my case if you want me to, but, you know, find something else, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that that is, I find that in conjunction, um, it's a really great, um, philosophy when coupled with yeah. um, a grounded faith. Great. I agree. Cool. All right, then. Now, so on to Nathan Clarkson's favorite segment, blesses and curses. Yeah. <laughs> as, as you know, we bless a uh, work of art in, that is related to the topic at hand, and we curse one that we think you should stay away from. Uh, so Nathan Clarkson, what are you going to processize our audience with? <laughs> well, I'm going to go a little more. Um, you're going more entertainment, and I'm going to go a little more practical, just if anybody is interested in yeah. socialism, where to start. So I'm going to go ahead and bless a couple books I've read lately. Um, I do think the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, the Roman mm. Emperor, are really interesting. They are not perfect, and they are not complete. Again, you need faith yeah. to complete it. But I think that is a great place to start. Um, and there's some great translations um, of the... the um, the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, and I've really enjoyed and got a lot out of um, the books, uh, the book uh, Meditations, and it also suggests Letters to a Stoic or from a Stoic uh, by Seneca. Hmm. Uh, Seneca was one of the, he was the the mentor kind of to Aurelius, and he was one of the uh, people who really took the Greek um, philosophy and transposed it into the modern Roman world. Uh, and he's also another really interesting person to read if you want a good grasp on what Stoicism is. Yeah. My, for my curse, so uh, so together those are The Meditations by Marcus Aurelius and Letters from a Stoic by Seneca. Oh, cool. by the way, fun fact I didn't mention earlier, Seneca and St. Paul of the Bible, the New Testament, lived at the same time really? in the same city in Rome, yes. And there is good evidence. Well, there's evidence. I don't know sure. how good it is. I'll have to do a little more research. <laughs> yeah. But there's evidence to say that they were in the same place at the same time. They knew each other. They wow. were probably in the same, talking to the same people. And there's even some evidence to say that they corresponded. And it's interesting when what? I listen. Yeah, when you listen to the words and read the words of Seneca, there is the way that St. Paul writes is very similar to the yeah. way that Seneca writes. And it's really, really interesting to see that a lot of the same principles. I obviously think St. Paul completes it. He, he right. completes yeah. the philosophy. But I think it's really interesting. Read them side by side. Read Romans and read Seneca at the same time. Yeah. It's really interesting. I just love the idea that these two philosophies and these two um, heads of these philosophies were existing at the same place in the same time. It just I don't know why that makes me happy and it blew my mind. Um, oh, but that really is cool. cool. That is very cool. So my curse would be, um, there's a ton because it, uh, it's exploded, um, a stoicism in the past. Well, people are capitalizing on this and they're doing these books with this, you know, one a day stoic quote. 
And yeah, I yeah. read one just to be like, all right, I, that was like one of my introductions, like, all right, I'll check it out, see what it is. Um, they do have some good Aurelius and Seneca in it in these books but a lot of them are just kind of using the stoicism name yeah. to sell books and most of the stuff you find there is just kind of mumbo jumbo sure. you know stop yeah. caring about the world man and it's shallow and it's not very interesting and it's i don't think it's very useful so if you want to study stoicism this, this is interesting to you i really recommend actually reading the real um yeah behind this philosophy and not just diving into a pop book that gives, you know, some guy who 10 years ago was like, you know, I, I just went surfing and stuff, caring about everything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not what the aim is. And that's not what no. the, the, the no. originator this idea is. So I, I would avoid the calendars, the one a day and just yeah. go straight to the source um, of the kind of the original thinkers. But that'll be my curse is just some of the, the people who have sought to um, use this as a way to make money. Yeah cheap philosophical just stop caring about whatever bro yeah and so, so i just avoid the cheaper and go straight to the source so that'd be yeah. no i think that's very i i agree with that i think that that's a that sounds good um all right so yes i'll, I'll give a couple of things that i think are good um uh like you know things on youtube that that are that are that are cool they kind of uh, nice. use a lot of sto stoic use a lot of stoic philosophy in them i think you know the we've often talked about the charisma on command videos there are Absolutely. some charisma on command videos that, that that do a lot of the stuff of, of saying you know have have a take control of your own you know self and your own thoughts your own emotions and try to make yourself better if you have are wanting to do that are interested in doing it from that sort of stoic lens charisma on command in terms of like being about more of a people person uh figure is it is a good one and some of theirs actually get really deep into how do you have self-love how do you have self-respect and and things like that so They're if you're about self mastery on exactly yeah so we've talked about a lot about that program i think that that's those are i've liked that that's one of those sort of stoics again I think, you know, if you're looking for something that does combine a little bit more of sort of Stoic philosophy and Christianity, since I've already brought up the name already, is, you know, uh, Dr. George Pearson's book, 12 Rules for Life, I actually found very helpful in terms of understanding, you know, again, I don't agree with everything George Pearson says, just so that you don't, I, people don't send us emails. bless over I know, here. Yes. get some hate mail. Yeah, forget, well, then we'll get mail. <laughs> Uh, but it's uh but it does have like there's a lot that of the good things we've talked about of stoicism and christianity it does some of the best job of um articulating that them in a way that makes sense it is helpful mm, and i think yeah. that again if you are a person like this if you're a parent who has you know like sons or daughters you know who seem like they're having these problems of victim mentality and uh, resentment towards the world and you're trying different things that work some of the stuff we're talking about like you know the, you know the, the the stoics or you know jordan peterson book might be something that's helpful you know so it's you know it's it's because like you know if it's if the other things you've been trying haven't worked you want them to have someone who's going to tell them to clean their room and make their lives better rather than resent the world and i think that that's a good good thing now in terms also wait yes, on, please uh, since you're on youtube channels i'll also suggest by the way i've not done a comprehensive listen to this so if you said <laughs> crazy things please disregard this suggestion but i found a recent youtube channel that if you're looking to dive into some of these philosophical ideas uh, yes, yes, yes. uh there's there's uh, a channel called academy of ideas and it's also also a podcast yes, yes, yes. and academy of ideas he did he's 
has a great way of taking these big ideas and talking about them in a way that can give you a great introduction um, into a lot of different philosophies, but also Stoicism. So check out Academy of Ideas, and they have great illustrations and things like that, that can, if you're a visual learner. So I'd say Academy of Ideas. Yeah, that's uh, very good. I don't know. I haven't seen all of it, but thus far, I've really enjoyed some of the things I've seen. I good at summarizing really some of yes, these, these yes. ideas so you actually at least have a handle on them. Yeah, correct. No, absolutely. Good, good, good great idea. Um, the uh, so yes now I'll go to the movies that portray well these ideas um i'll say the best like pro stoic movie i've seen i think is uh star trek II: the wrath of khan oddly enough nice. because nerd. You're, you're <laughs> guilty guilty um but no the uh spock of course you know classic character is probably one of the best stoic characters i've seen because he's, he's all about mastering the emotions and mm. i think that you know i think that um uh, and the, the character really, they do a great job again in all the movies of most of the movies of having him deal with the fact that he's got very strong emotions, but he also doesn't want to be their slave. And I think that some movies do a better job than others of, you know, like the, the Star Trek reboots with, uh, with Zachary Quinto and Chris Pye, you know, has done, had some interesting takes on this, uh, particularly the first one, 2009 one. But I think that, um, that the, uh, Star Trek to Wrath of Khan really shows, Spock's philosophy in action, that based on the choices he makes, saying that, okay, I'm going to be heroic and noble because I'm able to separate my own emotions from mm. the choices I need to make. And I'm and, and there's a beautiful scene at the end. If you haven't seen it, I'm always probably seeing it, if you haven't seen it, there's been at the end, there's a beautiful scene where you basically see the ultimate stoic reasoning for the ultimate stoic act of heroism. Um, mm. And so I bless, I bless that for that reason. But also like Star Trek 2009 thing has some a really interesting debate between him and his father about stoicism and emotion. But that honestly, I'll, even, I'll bless that, but that does actually subvert the stoics idea because it actually says that sometimes letting your emotions control you was a good thing. So that's a kind of controversial um, direction to go. It just shows the kind of age we're in where emotions are king. But that's 2009 sort of does a parallel version of that. Um, another parallel of that I'll do is um, uh, the, what do you call it? Oh, yes. Uh, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, actually. Oh, are you going to bring up Yoda, a classic <laughs> stoic character? No, I'm not. <laughs> well, good. Yoda's... <laughs> Right. It's true. No, it's, it's the first, uh, the Star Trek uh, Enterprise, uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back actually does a great job of doing a stoic character in Yoda, where he, he, he shows, and this is actually a great segue, because he, he shows Luke Skywalker how to not be mastered by his emotions, and how yes. to master his emotions in order to be a better Jedi. The thing is, and, and he does all that and shows how Luke is really ruled by his emotions and actually almost gets himself and his friends killed because of that. What's interesting is that Return of the Jedi and the philosopher, the Christian philosopher, James K.A. Smith actually points this out, which is that Return of the Jedi, which it's very interesting, which is even though Star Wars is a very stoic story, ultimately this day is saved and the, the villain is redeemed and this day is saved not through detachment, but through attachment. By a father and his attachment to his son, he becomes redeemed. And so that is a sort of a subversion of the Stoic themes, I think is important, again, supplements to the idea of, yes, it is important to have self-mastery, but also attachments are not a, the source of evil, they're a source of redemption as well. Attachments forbidden. Possession is forbidden. Compassion, which I would define as unconditional love, is central to a Jedi's life. 
Uh, so you might say that we are encouraged to love. Yeah. So I, kind of like we were talking about earlier about the the difference between Christianity and Stoicism. It seems like Star Wars starts out with Stoicism, ends up with Christianity. Yes, it does. A better person for the sake of yourself and those around exactly, you. Exactly. Exactly. The world around you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so then uh, my curses, I'm going to do so basically ones that both are anti and pro Stoic. Um, but in ways that are, I think, badly done, you know, are bad, are badly done and badly advocated for, or, you know, the, um, I'm Star Trek three, I'm going to, which is the sequel to Star Trek two, Wrath of Khan. They do an intentional subversion of Spock's value system and the reasoning for the choice he made at the end of the last one, but they do it. It's, it's, it's a very haphazard, ham-fisted and very unconvincing way. And so I think it, it does disservice to both Stoicism and the subversion of Stoicism that it was just so badly made in their execution uh, of it. Um, so, and, and it's like, why, why subvert this thing that's so beautiful that you've done if you're not going to subvert it in an equally beautiful way? So, yeah. Then also, this is one that's going to be a bit of a deep cut, but I watched a movie in college that I absolutely loathed, um, that, but is, is listed online, talk about as a pro-Stoic film, and I think you can argue fairly that it is, but it's also problems with Stoicism. Harold and Maud, which is, you know, if you don't, haven't heard of the movie, it, it, I don't know why I'm telling you about it because you shouldn't watch it, but it is about a teenage boy who falls in love with a person his grandmother's age and they have a sexual relationship with her, you know, spoilers. Um, and the thing is there, it's the, they, they do this thing about how, it, how about enjoying your life without expecting it to be better than it is and mm. also without holding on to attachments and without you know and because you know it, there's death involved in the story the problem is because it's a person who's scared of death and that's partly what he's got and then through his relationship this relationship that he then loses he gets you know uh he, he stops fearing death uh, the, pro okay. the problem is it is again a perfect example of how it's you're learning detach you're learning to enjoy your life by accepting death as the final word and through actually subverting logos rather than conforming to it because you know i'm sorry i have something uh, something against underage sex i think that that is you know a subversion of a healthy not, logos not romantic or fantasy yes. Wrong. It's it's wrong. It's which is again it's subversion of the logos rather than conforming to it. And so I think that that's where stoicism goes wrong when it tries to sets our sights too low. It's where it's it's it, where death has the final word and where its detachment leads to selfishness and subversion of the truth and beauty rather than conformity to it. Which I would say more more leans in the way of nihilism. Yes, yes. Is, do whatever you want because nothing matters rather than be the best you person you can. Um, right. Yeah. So th that's interesting. I think I think evil stoicism is almost indistinguishable from nihilism. Not that's not totally, totally, but I think in dark, but dark side of stoicism is nihilism. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, awesome. Well, this is a, a fun discussion. I, I I hope you guys all enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. So, uh, um, all right. So, uh, if people want to continue this discussion or they want to find you to tell you how wrong you were or how wrong I was because they don't want to talk to me because I'm so awful, where should they go? Well, uh, if you want to get in touch and learn more about the podcast, please have it to the over, overthinkersjournal.com. 
And if you want to join our community with tons of other overthinkers, please go to the Facebook, the private Facebook group, The Overthinkers. If you want to get in touch with me, go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. Very cool. Very cool. Yes, I agree. Please, again, send us a review on our, uh, if you like this, give us a five-star review. If you don't want to give a five-star review, then you still have to give a review. Um, no, <laughs> give, give us a review uh, on our podcast. It really helps us out. And if you want to get in touch with me, my website, josephholmstudios.com. I'm on all the socials. And yes, we'd love to have you on the Facebook page discussing all these great things with you. And we hope you'll join us next time. All right. Thank you very much. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Stoically. Hmm. 